welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or how much. I am your host. I am not Nate Andrews. I am not Eddie Quinones. I am Sean Cowles. Uh, this year's podcast host, or at least one half of this year's podcast host, joining me today and hopefully every day is uh, my friend, longtime friend, and uh, newest member to the league, Mr. Sean Bore. Hello. I'm uh, excited to uh, talk your guys' ears off about my, my my feelings. Listen, you've teed up a lot of spicy takes, so you better you better deliver. Um, <laughs> but I think we'll just kind of you know give an overview for the league, kind of some of the changes that we've got. Um, Boatwright will not be on camera today for those who are watching and not just listening. If that's something people you know have a problem with or want to change, let us know in the in the group chat. But um, I think that you know Boatwright. Unless you've got something else you want to throw in there, we can uh, we can kind of jump into this you know this new year of fantasy football. Yeah, I think the only thing that I would want to add is is if anything, if you guys have anything you want us to talk about or or discuss or segments ideas, like please let us know. We are very much open to feedback. You know, so yeah, ahead, absolutely. I, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, but yeah, I think that this is both new for him and I, I don't think I've ever hosted a podcast except when I've guessed on, on this one. So, um, I think that, you know, it'll kind of be an evolving beast from the groundwork that Nate and Eddie and other previous guest hosts have laid. But, you know, up until then, I think we kind of just, we kind of jump into it. What do you say about it? Yeah, I'm good with that. All right. I think it's only fair to start off this year by ending last year. Um, firstly, just a, a last hearty congratulations and, you know, one more excuse for me to play the, the, the theme. But um, to, to Nate for last year's champion, pulling it out with my guy Jalen Hurts, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about today. But just, just one last time, here it is. Yeah, but with that, uh, Barry, why don't you kind of start touching on just how we're going to approach the podcast this year, kind of not really the changes, but just our viewpoint and, and how we're going to look at it. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge that me and Sean kind of address or you know talked about was how do we host a podcast and talk about fantasy football while also being managers in a fantasy football league? And we've settled on this idea that we're gonna we're gonna approach these podcasts week in and week out like we are not fantasy football managers in this league to, as much as possible. So if we call out a trade that you did or that like me and you did, it will be to the best of our abilities as impartial observers with that as well. Um, takes that I might have in this and Sean might have don't necessarily reflect our strategy for the fantasy football year. Um, I'm sure some of it will bleed into the, to it because it's impossible to be truly neutral, but we are going to do our best to, to be as neutral as possible. Yeah, I think that touches on it just to avoid, you know, taking or running anybody down. Um, you know, Eddie was on here last year and took, you know, enough guff for having the year that he had, unfortunately, with JT's injuries and stuff like that, which we'll touch on JT a little bit later. But yeah, I think you kind of summed it up there well. Um, but, you know, I think the next thing we can move into is just season changes and notes throughout the offseason. And I know, um, you know, running up to this year, we kind of introduced a few new topics um, or a few new rules that we're going to be running out and using this year. Uh, the first big one is going to be the instant trade processing. Um, I think that it just kind of makes sense. I don't think that there needs to be kind of a weight on it unless 
Bo-Wright can think of one, but the votes were pretty clear on this one, even mid-season last year when we kind of implemented it, but now it is kind of a hard implementation, right, Bo-Wright? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. This this goes into effect. I actually believe we had like voted on this like week two or three of last year, and we just decided that we were going to finish the re- year with rules as is, but that would go into effect this year. So, Yeah, I think it was an almost unanimous vote, but the rule is if it's not unanimous, we can't implement it. So, um, yeah. yeah, unfortunately, uh, that's, that's kind of where we ran. So, yeah, but this year it's in place. So as soon as the trade is approved uh, or accepted by both managers, uh, it'll get sent across to – you know, obtain your new players, which will be exciting. The next one, the next rule we kind of put in place was QB rights for trade or cut quarterbacks. This was actually an issue that didn't come up last year, but almost did with Baker Mayfield. Um, When he was, I think he was either going to be traded or going to be waived. Um, He could have been going to a bunch of teams and become their starter. The Rams, which he ultimately did, but I think was the 49ers or somebody else prior to the emergence of Brock Purdy. And there was a discussion about, well, if a guy like that moves and he becomes the starter, who has his rights? Um, and a you know per league vote, um, whoever owns the quarterback room. So you, whoever owns the quarterback room, gets the rights to the new guy coming in. That's just how we're going to run that. Um, I'm sure that there will probably be some spirited discussion about that. I know Nate and I had some outside discussion about it prior to the vote, but just so we know, that's going to be the rule going forward as well. Yeah, I think I think the important thing and the way that I frame this in my head is I'm not you're not drafting a quarterback, you're drafting a quarterback room, right? So yeah. if you draft the the Chiefs quarterback, you get you're actually drafting the Chiefs quarterback room. So you're you're accepting risks of them trading for me, you know, and me showing up and throwing football right. for 3 weeks, you know. Yeah. Or to start, you know, Sam Howell because they got to see what the kid has, but you know, uh, a, a different guy like Jacoby Brissett probably gets them to eight and eight and probably puts up five or six more fantasy points a game average. But we'll see. We don't know what, you know, Sam Howell's got. He is kind of rising up, but that's a great example that you point out there. Um, the next few things, they're just kind of little minor things, um, additions. The consolation bracket, Boatwright, I believe, 3D printed a trophy, so we'll be handing that out. Um, but other than that, there's no rewards for um, you know, winning the consolation bracket uh, during playoffs. And then there were just three kind of updates that were already rules that we'd either voted on or discussed, um, but we just weren't enshrined in the Constitution. So I believe Nate has gone and done those, um, which is just the draft selection process, um, how the GM, a.k.a. Uh, Eddie or Nate, can man- manipulate lock teams so that they're putting a competitive roster out, um, and then enforcing the trading or dropping of quarterbacks prior to the waiver deadline. Um, so I don't know if you just want to touch on any of that stuff. Yeah. I think that last one is really important because that means if you're going to make any trades for a, a waiver pickup QB before, um, you know, before you cut him, you have to do that before, what is it? Noon on Tuesday. Noon so you basically on... have to have the deal finalized. Yep. Um, I, I remember this being some slight controversy of, of people trading away their, like their stream during, uh, bye weeks, their stream quarterback during bye weeks. Yeah. And, and doing it so far after the enshrined deadline, but it wasn't being enforced, unfortunately. So yeah. I think we just kind of are going to make a better effort to do that. And uh, now it's you know written down as yeah. well. I, I think that the 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 thing is, it is in the Constitution now. The best the best way to approach this is to like don't be a shithead. Like drop your quarterback <laughs> by noon. Um, yeah, I mean, or that's Nate, a good rule just for the league. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, don't be a shithead. Uh, yeah. I know that may be harder for some folks rather than others, and I might be talking Me? to one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but hey what are you gonna do 
Um, all right, so let's just jump on down. We'll look at the draft preview. We've got the draft order here with everyone's name or, you know, unupdated name. Um, but, but right, do you just want to run it down real quick? Yeah, so um, I guess to start off the order, we'll have our draft uh, preview and pick of the order, right? So we have myself, uh, the the Magic Harps, who if my team does blow up, I fully intend to evolve to Gyarados this year, just letting everybody know. I think um, I think it was Taylor. I think we knew where where you're going with that. Yeah. <laughs> then we have uh, the Pittsburgh Steelix. That's Sean. See. Then we have JC, who is yet to pick a name, and myself and Sean, um, really Sean, has taken the liberty of picking out Pokemans that you're gonna be you're gonna be forcibly assigned, and you will have to maintain throughout the year if you don't pick your name. So, yeah. uh, for those of you who who haven't picked a name, you're it's in your best interest because we did not pick cool Pokemon. No, um, I. So, I... I specifically pulled up a list of the lamest Pokemon. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but also, this I will caveat this: like, if you elected one and when we pick names and just didn't change your name, just change your name and please yeah. come on, guys. Yeah. Oh, uh, so we it. have JC, who formerly was Naked Wrestling, but he will be Paris. Paris? I don't Paris. know. Uh, yes. <laughs> then we have Mike, who is Mewtwo. Kevin, who has yet to pick a name. He'll get Garbodor, which, if you guys don't know, Pokemon is literally a living garbage bag. So mm-hmm. I think Shad was was trying to say something there. <laughs> hey, hey um, don't 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 you do that now. Listen, <laughs> I'm a fan of the Razor Ramon. I just he was the next funniest one on the list, but uh, nothing against Kevin. I actually really like Kevin. We should be golfing sometime before this. Yeah. So yeah, um, for the for the but, small interactions I've had with him, I actually quite like get along with Kevin well. So uh, next up is Damon. Uh, he is going to get Stunfisk if he doesn't uh, if he doesn't get around to picking a name. Then we have Nate who has chosen Raiden, uh, Kyron who has chosen Snorlax, Nick who just chose Ghost Pokemon, which isn't actually a Pokemon; it's a Pokemon type, which I think that oh. this should probably also qualify for us assigning a name. Yeah, I don't or, know how the commission let that one fly. I'm not sure on that one. Yeah, I mean it's fine, but also it's not. So like, pick a real Pokemon. Pick, like, Gengar. If you want a ghost Pokemon, pick Gengar. He's cool. Exactly. Uh, next, you have Darkrai, who is Scott. Jake, well, also, who is, I believe, is that ghost Pokemon? <laughs> he is, yeah. Um, yeah. Jake, who has yet to pick one, and he's got a uh, Greedent. And then Charizard, who is Eddie. To round All it right? out. So that is 1 through 12 in the draft order. Um, we'll be doing our regular, you know, redraft, snake draft. Uh, everyone's old old, old standby, though not everyone's favorite. Um but yeah, that's the the draft we're looking at. We're not going to do any kind of like pre-draft analysis because it's a crapshoot, especially with this league. Every year that I've drafted in it, I think this is going on year four now. Um, every draft has been different, um, so I, I I'm, I'm interested and excited to see where people go, what positions get valued, um, and you know, interested to see like what you do, Bo, right? Because you came out the gate hot last year and Mister Nine and One, even if Eddie won't recognize. Ultimately fell off, but I think made good moves along the way. So I'm just, you know, and that goes for everybody. I'm interested to see where everyone takes it this year. Yeah. Do you have any, do you have any thoughts about the draft order? Like in the process of picking it, um, not trying to start controversy, just like general, like, Hey, what did you think about it all? Here's what I'm going to tell you. The one thing I do like, I am nowhere near Nate. Every year, Nate and I go back and forth sniping our, each other's picks. <laughs> so <laughs> I was happy to see that Nate's like five picks away from me and I don't have to worry about it. Um, I don't, I, I, you know, I think that, you know, everyone has their own opinions and, and we all know that like statistically a redraft, it doesn't really kind of matter where you draft from, but I certainly, I know people 
enjoy to draft from certain places. I know, you know I, I'm one of them. I like drafting from where we're at. I like drafting right. from the top to the bottom and not the middle, but you know, that doesn't always seem to be the case. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. I don't, I don't know if there's anything, any inherent meaning or interesting about where anyone sits, but all I know is I'm glad I'm not near Nate. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I guess the only thing I will add is I, I didn't expect to get one, one. Um, I expected to get one, two, but then Mike picked the fourth pick overall. And I was like, oh, well, I guess great. I'm one, one. And then I, uh, once I like locked that in, I, I had a moment of panic of like, oh shit. Like I, I get to decide the, the flow of the draft from, you know, spotlights so on I, here. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? I don't actually care that much. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's, you know what? That's totally fair. Um, I, 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 I do kind of get that feeling of like, yeah, you, you, whatever you pick, your pick's going to be judged. It always yes. happens when you're the one, one. And I know, you know, I mean, not to bring it up again. Sorry, Eddie. Love you, brother. But uh, uh, to bring up, you know, JT, I think, went overall last year as the 1-1 one, one to Eddie. And then JT did what JT did last year and, you know, was kind of broken. I think in, in Eddie's defense, though, last year, 1-1 one, one consensus pretty much everywhere was JT. Mm-hmm. Like, it was oh, yeah. not – it was not – this year, it really seems like the 1-1 one, one is just all over the place. Mm-hmm. You could pick one of, of JJ, Jamar – CMC, uh, I've seen Bijan floated at one one. Kelsey oh, floated at one one. Like you pick one yeah, of the five. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and and it it changes the format because we're in a two quarterback format. And I know we have the special rules with no no quarterbacks on benches, but even still, does that wait? Where do they creep up into the first round? Um, yeah, I, but I agree with you. I think I I think we went golfing with Eddie last year, and he told us he was taking JT one one. Yeah, it, like it was just outright, and it was I think a month before the season even started. Right. So, yeah, I, I this year I absolutely agree with you that the the one there was no consensus one one. Like I think JJ, if you, if you had to put a you know a vote on somebody, it's probably JJ. Yeah. Um, but you know even even that I don't know is necessarily a lock. Which actually we'll be getting to JJ in just a second here. But yeah, um, yeah I I don't know. I I'm I'm just excited that we get to play fantasy football. Yeah, I uh, I mean, it's kind of unfair because I've settled on my pick at this point, so I know who's going one one. Okay. But um, you know, I, I, the point that I'm getting at is that there is no consensus one one here. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Consensus is far more like about what happens across the board, and less what happens in our league. So, yeah. yeah I, uh, you know, well, I'm I'm and I'm apply you for information because I uh, <laughs> I gotta know. Uh, not that it necessarily matters because I won't be taking them, but. I guess well, we'll yeah, see I, I would have. <laughs> but you know, Nate's going to be bothering you in the chat now. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I uh, I think I accidentally like told people my thoughts early on, but then I kind of changed my mm-hmm. mind. So I, you know, we'll see. We yeah. should probably move on though. Being realistic. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's totally fair. <laughs> well, then let's move on to Justin Jefferson. So this year we're going to revive a, a classic segment, the old over under. Now we'll probably do over unders for the week um, when we actually start playing football here. But I figured since it's preseason and we're looking at, uh, you know, kind of what a guy's going to do for the year, let's look at, um, you know, for the season. So I got a couple of guys here that I'm going to throw out to you, Boatwright. You and I can both throw out boats. Uh, but then we'll also throw them out in the chat um, and see, like, if we can either get a – I'll probably put it out as a poll um, and or have Nate put it out as a poll and see what the consensus says. Yeah. Um, so we're going to play a little over under here. So are you ready? I am ready. All right. Justin Jefferson, as I alluded to, is the first one here. 
Uh, the over-under is going to be on his receiving yards for the season. So the over-under that we have set um, is 1,675.5. Just for reference, uh, his last three seasons were 1,400 on the nose, 1616, uh, 16, and 1,809 yards last year when he had that monster year, respectively. So on that, are you taking the over or are you taking the under? Yeah, this one's hard. I... I my inclination is to not bet against Justin Jefferson, but I'm going to, I'm going to take the under here and I'll tell you why, because he actually has another, or excuse me, Kirk cousins actually has one, possibly two more like good targets this year. If Hawkinson gets better in that, in that offense, he's going to take some of those yards. And then they also have Jordan Addison. And I know that Jordan Addison is not the best receiver in this draft class, but I do think he's in the best situation to, catch the football compared to somebody like JSN, right? Um, mm. Kirk Cousins likes to throw that football. Um, and that gives Addison an opportunity to, to kind of, for lack of a better word, vacuum up some of those yards from JJ. Um, I still think JJ is going to have a monster season. I still think that he's going to be a great first pick. I just think that he is not going to put it up another like 1800 point season, um, yeah. which is probably yeah. my spiciest take out of this list. I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily a spicy take. Like I said, that this over would put him, you know, up there with his monster season he had last year. And as we've seen in years past, it's hard to really repeat um, monster seasons like that. Like you know, Cooper Cup is the most recent example. Injuries aside for him, but hey, injuries are part of the you know part yeah. of the deal. Plus, when your quarterback's held together with duct tape and a prayer. So, well, um, I, I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, not to not to pivot on to Cooper Cup, but he was statistically tracking to be the number one wide receiver last year still, mm-hmm. before his injury, for anybody curious. So yeah. I don't think he's a bad pick still, just is what I'm getting out there. Oh, no, no, I don't think it, this is about his value. It's just more so about there's always that guy who will have a standout year, whether it's him, Michael Thomas in years past, yeah. Hopkins in years past, um, but it's really hard for them to repeat and hold on to that, even when there's still as deadly a weapon. You know, it, it, there's as much about a luck as – that yeah, yeah, part of the I game is anything else. So, but yeah, for myself, um, I'm, I'm going to follow a long suit with you. Um, and it's again, not because I, this is not any kind of, you know, judgment of Justin Jefferson. I think there are just more mouths to feed. Kirk does like to air the ball out. He'll throw the ball 40 times a game. Um, and so while sure Jeff Jefferson can go for it, um, I think that there'd be just enough, you know, kind of shaved off the top of, his targets and receptions that uh, will contribute to keeping him probably under this count. He may, he may get close to this count. I'm probably putting him somewhere in his you know, two seasons go range, like low 1600s, but, uh, but that's, I mean, it's all a guess, but I will also agree with you and run the under as well. Yeah, I, I think the thing that's really going to help him help or hurt him this year is that when he's double coverage, they're not going to have to force feed him because they mm-hmm. have other targets like Addison to, to right. catch the football. Absolutely. Absolutely. Moving on to our next wide receiver. Uh, it's going to be a returning uh, player to the league, Mr. Calvin Ridley, this year with the Jackson Jaguars. Uh, the over-under, we're going to do receiving yards on him again, is going to be 905. So just his last full three three full seasons, um, because we're not going to count his suspension season, 821, 866, and then 1,374. So, all right. You got the under or the over for Calvin Ridley on 900 and a half receiving yards. I'm going to take the over, but not by much. Um, okay. Reason being, I think that he 
will quickly solidify himself as Trevor Lawrence's number one. Um, you know, everybody's like, well, Christian Kirk is there and he's got Etienne and uh, Tank Bixby if you buy the Tank Bixby hype. Um, but I do think that everything that we have heard coming out of Trevor's mouth is that he has a connection and he likes Calvin Ridley. And I think that like sometimes we as 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 fantasy managers try to overthink things. Sometimes I like to just listen to what the guy is telling me. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's yeah, my ab- absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I I agree with everything you said. What worries me um, in that is that offense because you you rattled off most of the guys right, but Evan Ingram is also a guy in that offense who's just hoovers up targets right. Um, so I am actually taking the under here. Not again because I don't think Calvin Ridley won't have a big year. It's just I'm not sure if he can eclipse it. You know? Yeah. No, and that's fair. You know, I and... actually I actually forgot Ingram existed, <laughs> but I still think that I would take the over. Just just like I said, just barely. If he does eclipse it, it'll be a thousand yard season. You know what I mean? Uh, oh yeah. Listen, I can't forget Evan Ingram existed. He he single handedly tried to lift me into the playoffs last year <laughs> fair, fair <laughs> with a week fourteen performance. So. And listen, if some other guys had, had done what they needed to, who knows? But hey, yeah. it is what it is. Um, but yeah, so our last of the wide receivers here on the over-under uh, segment, we'll go with Chris Olave. So Chris Olave, um, without looking, I'm not sure if you, you looked over the chart here. Do you know how many touchdowns Chris Olave had last year? Um, isn't it somewhere between like three and six? It is somewhere in between three and six, which for me, when I looked at that stat, I was quite surprised. Well, yeah, uh, I would have thought that the, the guy had a breakout year. Yeah, the guy had a breakout year um, like he did in an offense where, you know, I, he's the only – he's probably like the major target, So, and that had a lot to do with it. He only had four touchdowns last year. So the Vegas over-under here is four and a half receiving touchdowns for Chris Olave. What do you got? I've got the over here. Yeah. Um Carr force feeds his wide receiver one. The dude like <laughs> likes his wide receiver one, and he just gives him the ball. Um, also, not to pivot too far, Olave is the one that got away from me last year. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember this, Sean, but we were talking about it a little bit. I had an offer for Olave for Dobbs that week that Dobbs had the huge breakout, and I I elected to keep Dobbs instead of Olave, and I I probably regretted that every day for the rest of the year last year. <laughs> Um, but yes, I will take the over on that. I think that for his caliber of receiver and the way that Carr distributes the football, there is just no way that he doesn't get more than four touchdowns. It's the same yeah. with Deontay Johnson. There's no way he puts up zero touchdowns again. You know? Yeah, that the positive touchdown regression is gonna got to come for somebody. And if it's nobody else, it's Deontay Johnson, who I think you'll be talking about a little bit later. But yeah, yeah I'm also going to take the over with you. I agree. I think that Carr's value, both as an NFL quarterback and as a fantasy quarterback, is really undervalued this year. Um, and that we saw Devonte Adams still be nearly levels last year, even after moving on from Aaron Rodgers, who we know the love affair between Devonte Adams and, and Aaron Rodgers. So, yes. uh, I think that if he has a wide receiver of that caliber, and we're hoping Chris Olave will get there if he's not already. Um, yeah, I think that he's got to come across at least six touchdowns through the year, if not more. Yeah. And I don't really think like Michael Thomas is not a threat to take anything away from him. And while there are some young guys like Raheed Shahid there, um, um, I, I think he, he, I think he accomplishes it. So, yeah, I think it's, it's tough to be a, a wide receiver of a Lave's caliber and not put up more than what, four and a half touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So, 
four yeah. touchdowns. Yeah. Now we're going to jump to another receiving target, but now we're going to move to the tight ends and we're going to move to your guy um, who he, we're talking about one who got away. So yeah. You don't have to get into it. Yeah. Uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, the over under for him this year for receiving touchdowns is 10 and a half. I'm slamming that now, under. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, you know, Vegas didn't do us any favors here. His last three full seasons, he's had 11, nine and 12 touchdowns. Yeah. So, Bunch of young guys in that Chiefs offense, uh, but he's still probably the number one target. Yeah. Uh, so, who you got? You got the over or the under? I'm actually gonna take the under here. Um, I read a I read a joke once that Travis Kelsey goes he has a good year, bad year, good year, bad year, and apparently that does kind of pan out. What I would say is obviously when you have Patrick Mahomes feeding you, it's it's really hard to have a bad year. So statistically, it's probably still gonna be a pretty good year. Um, yeah. But I think the one thing we've seen with with Mahomes is his ability to elevate me, elevate mediocre receivers to being like good receivers or serviceable receivers, and they have enough targets there that I think that they can like it, it'll be very tough for Kelsey to have another like boom season like that. I mean, he had what like four touchdowns in one game last year. Yeah, it really kind of elevated him for sure. Right. That's all. If he put up what he put up, you said 12 touchdowns last year. So he had a third of his touchdowns in one game. You know what I mean? That's got to be some, there's got to be some sort of like negative regression expected there, right? Like, I would think so. Um, But despite all your wisdom that I totally agree with, I'm taking the over. Yeah, well, fair enough. And (laughs) the only reason is, is that while. I think uh, MVS is the only returning uh, wide receiver option. Like all of his major other options are gone. Kadarius Tony's still hurt. So it's really Sky Moore and uh, Rash- No, Justin Christ. Ross is coming off injury from last year, too. Yeah, that's right. Holmes has spoken but, very highly of him. Yeah. But all these guys are young and don't have an established rapport, you know, more than yeah. a year. And Kelsey and, you know, uh, Mahomes are basically brothers at this point. So. Yeah. I, I, you know, if nothing else early on, maybe he hoovers up, you know, five or six, and then he's just got to pan out like the last two thirds of the season to grab those last four or five. I I think that's perfectly within his range of outcomes. So I'm going to take the over. Um, Um, Yeah, good. I would not be surprised if he got the over here. I think that it it is very much like a coin flip with him, Mm -hmm. not because he's a bad tight end or a bad target, just because like, like I said, Mahomes has an ability to elevate receivers and you just kind of never know who's going to break out on Andy Reid's offense yeah. week to week. You know, Juju exactly. had a few weeks last year where he was like looking like he was going to be the wide receiver one, you know? And now he's gone. So. And, yeah, now he's gone. <laughs> right. So uh, last one, uh, we have no history on this player as it's going to be their rookie season. It's Bijan Robinson. Yeah. Uh, drafted fourth overall, I believe, by Atlanta last year. Running backs drafted that high clearly have a certain value. Um, I know he's being drafted like tail end of round one. I think his ADP is somewhere around like 12 or 14 on most sites. Um, so the over-under for him is 1,050.5 yards or a thousand. So, but right, I know that you were just talking about him in, in our previous segment there. So do you think that Bijan in a run-heavy offense can eclipse a thousand-yard rushing season? Yeah, so the really the big question here is like, can Bijan succeed despite the Falcons being like hot doo-doo butt? And I would say <laughs> that the answer is yes. Um, for me, guys' success in fantasy really boils down to talent, opportunity, and like scheme, right? And you could probably put mm-hmm. scheme into opportunity, but I think that they're kind of different. 
You have mm-hmm. Arthur. Is it Arthur Smith? Right. I'm not Arthur. losing. Yeah. Okay. I, for some reason, I, it, it escaped my mind right as I started to say it. Who is <laughs> probably the foremost runningest, like schemed head coach in the league? Um, you Down have by three touchdowns. We don't care. We're going to run the ball. Right. <laughs> we have the Atlanta line, who, despite Atlanta's fault, is actually one of the better run blocking lines in the league. Right. You have Bijan Robinson, who has been touted as like one of the best running back prospects I've heard in the last century. I think that's being dramatic, probably last decade. Um, and you have, I, I so to caveat what I'm about to say, you have no other weapons, right? And sure. somebody would say, well, what about Pitts and London, who are great catchers, right? Yeah, but they have yeah. Desmond Riddler throwing the ball to them, so. To, are they really hey, Taylor old? Heineke's the backup. I wouldn't – don't, don't well, you wait that, till he's out there on week seven, okay? Okay, fair enough. The point that I'm getting at is they're going to grind Bijan into the ground with touches. The only mm. way – the only way that doesn't happen is if for some reason they make a conscious decision to save Miles on Bijan because they're going to be so bad, right? <laughs> and so they're going to just let him not – like they're not going to put the miles on him which I don't think yeah. you do with a rookie, right? You want that rookie to get comfortable playing in the NFL. Get so, up to game speed. Yes. Sure. So I think the only reason you don't do that is for that reason. And so I, I take this over with no hesitation. Okay. I am going to oppose you here. Okay. I am going to say the under. And it's twofold. It's that it, – it's not that I doubt Bijan's ability. It's – right. I, I love the talent of the player. Like you said, to quote you, Atlanta is hot doo garbage. And while it supported, you know, Cordell Patterson as like an RB2 last year, and then the emergence of Tyler Algiers, but again, didn't crack out of like RB2 territory. If Bijan's going to have success, I also think it's going to be through the air. He's a great catcher of the ball. He's got great hands. Um, So I think that I actually don't know if he is going to be seeing a lot of like, straight up the line hits or even stuff to the outside to use his speed. I think it's, they're going to split him out, put him in the slot, send him on wheel routes. So I really think that I, I, for whatever reason, I don't think rushing is going to be his, I don't want to say bread and butter because he's running back, but I, for all that and for the reason you kind of stated where maybe they don't want him to take as many, you know, straight up the gut kind of hard hits. I actually don't think he gets over this rushing. Code. So my only, my only counter to that is Arthur Smith and his offense willed Tyler Legier to a thousand yard season last season. That's fair. And that you guy know? is not a good running back. He's not beat for sure. So, no. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Again, I, I, th- again, I agree that I'm going against consensus here and that, yeah. Um, I, I, I was under consensus on Bijan just in general, actually, uh, where he's being drafted. So I know that all, that probably colors this a little, but, no, you know, I, if it's it is what it is. I think that's fair because I think that those are the type of moves. And, and what really gets into, like, my draft philosophy as a manager for all my leagues is, like, you have to deviate from the mean somewhere, and that's how you mm-hmm. win, right? You don't win by taking the consensus number three guy and then the consensus number uh, twenty or 18 guy or 19 guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, absolutely. You win by identifying players that are, are miss, you know, miss being misdrafted and then making picks around those, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you find your own advantages. I am. And I'm also a firm believer. And I know Eddie is too, where we both said it on this podcast, get your guys. Yeah. Like if you like a guy or you don't like a guy, but especially if you like a guy, who cares what ADP is, right? Yeah. Who cares what it is? He's not going to get back to you in the next round draft him, Right. 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 But yeah, I, I very much, and we'll kind of touch on draft strategy and approach here in a little bit. Um, but I think that, yeah, I think that's totally fair. So, 
But I that will cover it for our over under. Like I said, I will go ahead and post those in the chat in some form or have Nate go ahead and do it uh, just so we can get like a group consensus. And I'll we'll keep a running tally. Um, we'll see at the end of the year who's a uh, we'll do a little mini comparison to see whose record ends up being better. Uh, yeah, um, me or me and Sean or you guys. Yeah, uh, but I think that'll run us into our next se- segment. A segment again we're bringing back from last year. It's risers and fallers. Uh, we just had you know game three of the preseason. Fifty-three man roster cuts happened today. We'll touch on some news from that. But um, Bo Wright and I just picked a couple of guys who you know either because their ADP is rising or just personally we kind of like you know what they're doing and what they showed in the preseason again. That isn't the end all be all, but um, guys, we kind of wanted to touch on and talk about. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll start with our risers first, but right. Why don't you go ahead and uh, jump in on your first riser and we can just kind of go back and forth. Here. Yeah. So this one is probably going to be my uh, one of my more controversial ones. And I'm going to say Jalen Warren. And I'm not saying that he is going to rise up to the top half of the draft because he is absolutely not. But I think that for me, what I've seen out of Jalen Warren now is he is a very, very strong handcuff for Najee if you draft him. He's also probably playable in flex. Um, maybe not, it's not your first choice, but if you have to start him in flex, you don't feel bad. I do think that that backfield is moving towards more of a committee. Um, but I do still think that Najee will be the number one back and he will grind out the yards there that, that, you know, really puts Jalen in like you're hoping for a breakaway touchdown or something like that. Um, so he's my first one. I want to be clear. I'm not drafting him in the first, probably half, maybe first two thirds of a draft, but I think that. Where he previously was, which was, you hope you can scoop him out of free agency, he's now become, maybe you take a late flyer on him, which still mm-hmm. technically is a riser. <laughs> I, I, yeah, listen, I, I agree. I think that, I also think that this is one of those weird things where, like, a guy performs well and another guy does not perform well on the field. And so the fan base pushes a guy up to, like, hey, you should do something about this, where they cheer the guy when he touches the ball. And not necessarily boo, nausea or anything like that. I mean, the Steelers fan base isn't opposed to doing that but um you know i it is one of those things where it just feels like everything is kind of pushing warren to be more involved and we'll see what mike tomlin does mike tomlin is one of those coaches who will stay the course no matter what whether it's the good or bad idea yeah. and hey listen never had a losing season throw that out there for all all the mike tomlin fans out there but you know i don't know but hey it's he's a good riser for sure. I think that where the thing that I, where I personally fall is like, I still think Najee is our best running back. I still think he should be RB one. I still think Mm -hmm. that he gets a lot of flack that he shouldn't necessarily get. Mm -hmm. I think the only point that I'm getting at here is that he Warren has probably increased his value enough to warrant like, and I, I should know this. I don't even know how many rounds we have in this draft, but let's say the last four rounds, you probably really don't mind taking a flyer on Warren in one of those, you know? I, I, I firmly probably believe that he goes before the first four or the last four rounds in our draft. Probably. We have a lot of informed managers who I think, again, will go and get their guy. So, but hey, we'll see. But I, I think he's a good first pick. Um, jumping over to mine, my first riser is going to be Jahan Dotson, Penn State alum um, out of the Commanders. I think that he showed last year, I think in the last four games, he averaged four more points um, than, you know, the stud out of there, Terry McLaurin, uh, Scary Terry, who I love. But uh, especially with Sam Howell coming in as a young guy, he came up working with him in, in the second team reps and things like that, both young guys, uh, and now, you know, uh, McLaurin getting injured. So we don't know. 
they say he's going to be back for week one, but, you know, wide receiver injuries are, are never a good thing. So both in ADP and just on my own personal board, I certainly think Jahan Dotson's moving up, um, moving up in, in my rankings as to where he falls. He, he's a low, you know, he's a wide receiver three, maybe low wide receiver two, maybe even, you know, solidly in wide receiver two at this point. I think his ceiling's maybe even higher than that. Yeah, I think I think that this is another one of those situations where you just kind of have to listen to the guy throwing the football around. Um, Sam Howe has had nothing but positive things to say about Jahan Dotson to the point where he's like, I love, like, we have a great relationship. I love throwing him the football. And at some point, you, like, I, I know I've said it earlier, you just kind of got to listen to the guy, right? Like, um, and then, you know, the, the, the caveat there might be like, well, maybe Sam Howell's not very good, so we don't care. Once again, coming out of the camp, you are hearing a lot of this guy's not as bad as we think or you think. Right. Yeah. I guess the caveat there is that quarterbacks tend to get a lot more leeway in their talent. So mm-hmm. it's, it depends on how much you agree with that assessment of Sam. How, you know, sure. I mean, if you listen to coach Ron Rivera today, he, he actually literally came out and said that I, he failed Sam Howell because he didn't realize how talented he was. Now again, right. it's one coach's opinion, but he's running himself down in the matter. But um, that's remember that's future hall of famer, Sam Howell. <laughs> yes. So we have to be very clear. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> But yeah, but who you got as your second riser? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to get roasted alive for this one. Um, oh, no. It's actually Kenny Pickett. And I know, once again, I, I think he falls into that same kind of category as um, Jalen Warren. Kenny Pickett went, I think he went under. <laughs> he didn't actually go undrafted because I, I, at the time I didn't know about the three QB rule because, you know, things just leave my brain. So I drafted him late. <laughs> And then I got yelled at, so then Nate forcibly removed him from me. Um, As per the league rules. Yes, yes. So, But technically, he did go undrafted last year. I mm-hmm. do think that he is somebody that you, you take a flyer on late, right? Maybe you didn't prioritize QB in the first half of the draft. And you're like, shit, I've got to take one of Baker Mayfield, Kenny Pickett, and I don't know, man, somebody else. Yeah, um, right. And so you, you, I think Kenny is the guy you take there. I even think Kenny rises up to the – so, like, to caveat, I'm lower on A-Rod this year. I think he's just getting old. I think he's going to be a fine quarterback. I don't think he's going to be a fantasy asset, right? Mm. So I mm-hmm. think that you get into this territory of, like, hey, I've got some older quarterbacks or quarterbacks with questions, and you take Kenny because he appears to be able to throw that football down the field, right? He's got good receiving options, and he's got good legs. I think that he just has more upside than some of the back-end quarterbacks that you would uh, – like back half of the league quarterbacks that you would probably be like tossing around, right? I'm not saying you're going to take him in the second, right? That's absurd. Mm-hmm. But you get what I mean. No, I do. And I think the last point is really the most important. If you're Unless you're slinging the ball 40 times a game, um, you know, you almost have to have some element of a running game. It's why I like Daniel Jones – and even, you know, Geno Smith have the value they do. They don't throw the ball a ton, and they don't throw for a ton of yards every game, but they pick you up 20, 30, 40 yards with their legs. And I certainly think we saw that in certain spades with Kenny last year. So, yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, it's just does does the line get better enough so that he can, you know, kind of do some of those things? I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, again, I don't necessarily think that that's a bad pick as a riser at all. I think – he is kind of trending upwards and he looked good all preseason as well. He looked composed. Yeah. So we'll yep. see. What you got, Sean? Uh, I think, yeah, jumping over to my second one. Uh, this is actually a guy I'm not a huge fan of and haven't been a huge fan of for a while, but just because of some of the developments, you're talking about opportunity with his team. Um, Cortland Sutton. 
uh, wide receiver out of Broncos. Um, he's a guy who is moving up in ADP, I think, with injury. The injury bug just can I don't know what's in Mile High Stadium and Broncos camp, but they cannot keep a wide receiver healthy to save their lives. Um, and, you know, Tim Patrick and, and you know, uh, J.K. Hamler, I think, is supposed to come off the injuries. But he's, you know, Cortland Sutton, it, it is the boring pick, like you talk about. Maybe he's not the most exciting pick, but someone's got to catch the ball in that offense. They just traded um, away, uh, I can never say his last name, but the, their, their tight end prospect today, I believe, on roster cuts um, to, uh, to the Saints. So there's, there's a narrow target tree in terms of Denver, and Russell Wilson's got to cook. So he's going to throw the ball to somebody, and he's got wide, uh, you know running backs out of the backfield. But I really think Cortland Sutton's going to probably outperform his ADP this year just on opportunity alone. Yeah, I, I I think that I largely agree with that. My 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 biggest concern there is Russell Wilson. I have <laughs> yeah. like no faith in that man, and so mm-hmm. I just think that that hurts wide receiver values. But you have to think that is all baked into ADP as well. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I don't think I have any major disagreements with that. Sure, that's fair. Um, all right, but give us your last one in the risers category. Yeah, so my last riser is uh is gonna be. George Pickens, but probably the... oh, you Homer. I know, you... <laughs> I know. Yeah. Did so... you go three Steelers on the risers? I did, and I actually have a reason for that. And I, I debated on just putting like the Steelers offense, but I think that for me personally, mm-hmm. they answered some of the questions I had about their ability to get the job done. I understand that it was in preseason, but they looked crisp. They looked like they were gelling. I think that they just, for me, I always like their weapons, right? Like I drafted George Pickens way too early last year. Um, I think I took him to seven. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's way too early. He ended up rising in ADP into where his ADP actually was. So right. The point it was that, early in the season, but I get you. Yeah. The point that I'm getting at is I've always liked their weapons, but I didn't <laughs> like their offense. Sure. But I think that this year for preseason, I personally saw enough that got me to thinking like this offense is actually one that can like be fantasy viable. And so we probably mm-hmm. could just say all of their offensive weapons, but Najee's always been a top pick because they just give him so much volume. Same with mm-hmm. DJ. That's not a so- shocker, right? I think sure. that I read that he had like the most targets or was in the top five of targets for a receiver in the NFL. He just didn't score touchdowns last year, right? So like, yeah. what can you do? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He he had like 149. Like it was a ridiculous. It was over a hundred like red zone routes run. Yeah, and scored no touchdowns or something. And the same with his like overall receptions. It was right. crazy. Um, um, so yeah, he's definitely gonna have a positive regression. But yeah, I, I listen. I mean, I, we're both Steelers fans. We're from Pittsburgh, so it's it's not a shocker that I'll necessarily agree with you. I actually think this comes down to the line more than anything, because. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pickens' value comes on the deep ball, right? Because yeah. he's such a freak athlete. He'll go up and take it anywhere. I think that if the line gives Kenny enough time to get the ball downfield, he could have a monster year. Yep. I think that with, for me, I, I approached this season with thinking Pickens was a solid flex, but he was all TD dependent, right? Kind of like Gabe mm-hmm. Davis was, right? Yeah. This guy that you would love to have when he catches his three deep balls. Like, you know what I mean? But if he doesn't, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, shit, I just put up a fat donut because he didn't do anything, you know? Right. I think that I'm more coming into, like, 
maybe he will see more targets because Kenny seems to like him. Um, I actually just saw today that TJ Watt went on the Pat McAfee show and said like that George Pickens is like a freak athlete and it's unreal. You know what I mean? If yeah. you have some time, go read it. It's it's the most absurd like rambling I've ever seen. It's got something to do with math and why we are more likely to beat the um, 49ers. Or, it was wild. Oh, man. Listen, to Mike Tomlin's got a, you know, he's got that camp stirred up. They the especially the defense, they're all they're all on it this year. So I don't know well, what I, it is. I think but that's another really we'll big see. point. Is like that whole team just seems fired up and ready to play football. Mm-hmm. And I, once again, maybe I'm a homer. Maybe I am a homer, but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> um I just think that they have talent there that is viable for fantasy. I'm not saying once again, you probably don't want to take any Steelers besides Najee in the first four rounds. I think mm-hmm. DJ's ADP puts him around like six, I forget. Um, but I think that they are like good flexes and maybe even wide receiver too. If, if that offense trends in the way that like, I personally mm-hmm. hope it will. Yeah, no, I fully agree with you. Um, so yeah, li- my last riser real quick, I, I dug a little deeper for this one. Um, but a guy who I've had an eye on, um, just cause I liked him coming out of college, Chris Evans, rookie running back for the Bengals this year. Also because I've been burned too many times by Joe Mixon getting hurt. Now, Joe Mixon, I think it's a bad rap for how much he actually gets hurt. But I think that, again, for different reasons, but I'm, I'm a big fan in running back handcuffs. Um, and I know Trevon Williams is there um, as well, but he's just coming off an injury. I think that Chris, Williams, or Chris Evans has shown a huge ability to catch the ball and be a third down back for that offense. Um, so that not only will vulture some of Mixon's you know time on the field and, and receptions, but you know, in a PBR league, he maybe creeps into flex territory. Um, and his ADP has kind of reflected that, especially his performances in the preseason. So um, a young guy, we don't know what we're going to get out of him yet, but uh, a guy who I like this year and, again, maybe is, you know, kind of like you were talking about with Warren, a guy you take a flyer on in the last couple of rounds and sit him on your bench and hope hope something comes of him or you can get some value out of him. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with that. My big concern with, with Bengals running back especially is that when you have guys like Joe Burrow and uh, Chase and T Higgins and what's his nuts. Like you have to assume that they're going to pass first, their pass first offense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that hurt Mixon last year a lot is that he just mm-hmm. didn't get the opportunities that you would want out of where he gets drafted. Yeah. Where I like it. this guy who <clears throat> God, I'm so bad with names. Um, Chris Evans. I want to say Mike Smith. I don't know why Chris Evans is that like, when your investment is an eighth round, do you care if he doesn't get the looks? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, or a 15th or a 16th or whatever. Yeah, yeah I mean, I guess I don't know how many rounds our draft is. I just picked a high number. I'm pretty sure our roster, we're still rostering nine nine spots, but... Okay, I mean, that's fine, whatever. <laughs> hey, whatever. I draft until uh, it says don't draft anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you just pick the guys in front of you. You click the button. It's yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, it's all good, but our, um, let's go ahead and then jump over to our followers real quick. Um, I'll actually go ahead and jump into this with the first one. Um, first guy for me is going to be, it's going to be Devon A. Chain, uh, Ricky running back out of Miami, but I could have put any of the running backs out of Miami here because we, that it is the most muddled backfield so far and after his injury being carted off the field eventually i guess the prognosis isn't that bad for him but it's just enough to push the guy to the bottom of the depth chart and he while he still made the team because he's you know he's going to be on the injury reserve list he's just a guy who i think people people always get really excited about rookies especially rookie running back and wide receivers um 
because they think like they can get them for a discount and, you know, and the value that they may return kind of the positive arguments for kind of Chris Williams and, and other guys like that, or Chris Evans. Um, but here, I think, you know, all of that really kind of will depress his ADP probably back down to where it should be. Cause I'm not even sure you get anything out of him. And if you do, it's maybe a third down roll. Yeah. I, I, I actually have completely faded this guy out of my, my selection tree. Uh, I just, that backfield is a freaking mess and I, I don't want mm-hmm. anything to do with Miami's backfield in general. Like, yeah, I, I, I avoid that backfield. Yeah. I think I'm right there with you. Um, in an effort to move this on, I'll go ahead and, and, and do mine. Um, so my first one is actually Anthony Richardson. And I know that this one is probably also going to cause some tra- controversy because he's a genetic freak. He's an amazing athlete. The dude can run. He can throw a deep ball. Um, mm. I actually like Richardson. Like, I want to preface this. I think he is a good, viable fantasy pick. I think with JT not playing, one of the best things you can do for rookie quarterbacks is give them a good running back because it helps mm. alleviate pressure. With JT not playing, um, with how bad that Colts line is, um, with how bad they're, I guess they have Pittman, right? Like what, who else do they have in their receiving room? Um, what's the, the young guy's name? Alex Pierce. Alex Pierce. That's it. Mm-hmm. Does he have choices, right? You're sure. really just hoping he uses his legs for 300 yards a game. Like when you pick him, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or right. he vultures yeah. touchdowns at the goal line. Is yeah, that without, without JT there? What's that? Without JT available at right. least until right. you know, the first four games anyways. Right. Yeah. And, and so I just, I don't think that he, I think that somebody's going to reach on him and it's going to go one of two ways. They're going to win because he's going to be a monster or mm. like, he'll be like a sleeper, Josh Allen. Right. Or right. they're going to get hosed because he just can't support an offense besides because his legs. He's a rookie. Yeah. Right. Right. And they're going to yeah, step. No, I, go ahead. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, in the sense that in the last part, I'm actually very high on Richardson this year. Um, I have him in my dynasty league. Um, I am very high on Richardson. I think probably more so in Dynasty than in Redraft. But I yeah, yeah, I think you're, the last thing you said is is the best like a, a summary of it all is that he's going to get drafted. He's going to be someone's QB2 this year, and he's going to either blow up and be a top 10 quarterback or a top 12 quarterback just because of what his legs can do, or he's going to be outside the top 20 and probably dropped, if not held on to regretfully by somebody. Um who probably felt they spelled too much draft capital. So yeah, no, he makes sense as, as a faller for sure. Okay. Uh, but yeah, jumping on to my next one, uh, I'm going to go with JSN, uh, Jason Smith and Jigba, the rookie rider see right out of the Seahawks. Obviously he had that wrist injury. They're saying he's going to be back for the first week, but this is Pete Carroll we're talking about. So anything he says about an injury, I will never believe. <laughs> um, but again, it's, it's an issue of, even though I really like Geno Smith, I do think they are airing the ball out more. That injury has started to bring him, him down in ADP, and I've actually been avoiding him in drafts uh, just because there are two established receiving options in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Now, Tyler Lockett's not getting any younger. I get that. But uh, we'll touch on his production, you know, maybe a little bit later on in the next section, but uh, which maybe gives, gives away a little something. But, you know, they're just really consistent wide receivers already there. And it's going to be hard for even a guy with as much skill as Njigba to crack into that, even out of the slot. So I think, again, he is a victim of, you know, kind of the same thing that A-Chain was, where he is a victim of the rookie hype train um, and being pushed up to an ADP he probably doesn't deserve to be. 
he might be a viable flex this year, but yeah, I, I, I have my doubts. I I actually agree with that. I, I in fact mm-hmm. I, I kind of spilled the beans earlier when I talked about Addison. I think mm-hmm. that JSN is the most talented receiver in this draft class, in the worst mm-hmm. position to show that talent. I think that he was mm-hmm. very much like a future pick for the Seahawks. Yeah, I think that, like you said, with both um, Lockett and Metcalf there, um, they're just not targets to go around. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that he, I've always been kind of lower on him for the same reason. Like, I think he's talented. I think he'll be good. I think two years from now, we're going to be talking about who's getting JSN in the second or maybe even the first round. I just don't think we're there yet, you know? Yeah. I agree with you. And listen, we've had rookies come in. I mean, Jamar is the latest example where we're all worried about him. We weren't sure. They were, you know, established wide receivers there. Um, and he was dropping the ball. But then, of course, he gets in and he shows us all how wrong we're. So, you know, could be wrong, but we'll see. Kind of, you know, time will tell. But uh, who's your who's your next uh, follower there, Bo? Right? Yeah, Tampa. <laughs> Tampa's not a player. <laughs> well, if if, if uh, Nick can be ghost Pokemon, I could pick Tampa. I guess I guess realistically, when I say Tampa, I'm talking about Mike Evans and uh, yeah, Mike Chris Evans. Godwin. What's that? Chris Godwin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you've got Baker Shaw, Mayfield, or Shady White. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What you said, Rashad White. Rashad White. Yeah, yeah. Um, when when you've got Baker Mayfield running your offense, you just don't expect right like and and i get it baker mayfield's not horrible right mm-hmm. but look at what he's a professional nfl quarterback right <laughs> he is one of he is one of the professional nfl quarterbacks um mm-hmm. look at what he did to cmc's value last year he doesn't dump off so everybody's like oh rashad white's a pass catching back he's gonna catch passes except for the fact that you have baker mayfield throwing the football and he does not believe in dumping it off to his his um mm-hmm. his running back you know um mm-hmm. You have Baker Mayfield, who is going to try to do things, but just not. And so I just think that, like, maybe Mike Evans is a flex pick. Maybe. Maybe (laughs) he's, like, wide receiver, too, if we're lucky. But I just – and it's not on him. Like, truly, it is not a him problem, right? It is a Baker problem. (laughs) Or I don't even know – let me put it this way. And maybe I should – I don't even know what their backup's name is. No idea. (laughs) So. Well, yeah, that's so actually the, the to your credit, the point being that Baker Mayfield, there was a debate whether Kyle Trask perennial backup was going to get the starting spot over Baker Mayfield up until the preseason. So to your point, I think there is some credit there. I don't know if it quite depresses that far for Mike Evans and guys like that. But hey, you could be right. This is your this is your faller. But <laughs> yes, my uh, show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been avoiding a lot of the Tampa guys, but only by like a notch or two and then yeah. in draft and then guys generally hoover them up before I come back around and would take them. Yeah, so, I, if we'll I could see, get we'll, if we'll I see. could get like Evans at a discount, I'm not upset about it, to be clear. Right. I just don't yeah, think yeah. like I'm investing capital in him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh let's round out my fallers here. Uh last one is I'm gonna go with Ramondre Stevens. Stevenson. Uh running back for the Patriots. I, I'm a big Ramondre fan. Um I was really hoping that none of the big, like, three running backs, free agents would sign. Um, but unfortunately, we got the news. Ezekiel Elliott did end up signing uh, with the Patriots. So um, I think that Ramondre takes a big hit this year. Now, I know he was in a two-running back system last year. But I think I give more credit that Ezekiel Elliott still has something to give while being injury-prone. Um, 
and I re and I think he just vultures touchdowns away from Ramondre. So both for actual ADP and for my personal, Ramondre has really come down where he's being drafted from for me. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, Bill Belichick wouldn't have signed Ezekiel Elliott if he didn't have a plan for him. Now that plan mm. could be him snapping the football. We don't know yet, but yeah. <laughs> it's. Uh, Bill Belichick is not a guy just to go get a guy because he's available in, in the free agency. Right. They don't give legacy signings. He only uses them. If, he only signs them if he can use them. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and being useful in the NFL is different than being useful in fantasy, um, in fantasy for sure. But I, I do think this does hurt Ramondre, or at least where Ramondre is being drafted. Right. 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 So, all right. Running us out here on this, uh, this one with uh, your last follower. But right. Yeah. My last one's Brees Hall, um, which I know is probably, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't want to say a spicier pick. Um, Brees Hall is undoubtedly talented, but what we've seen is especially running backs coming back from ACL. They need a year, right? They need a year to recover. They need a year to get everything back. They need a year and they just need time. Um, plus they signed Dalvin cook. Um, you got to think once again, they, they didn't just sign Dalvin cook because they could. Um, yeah. So I I just assume that that's going to impact Brees Hall. I still think Brees Hall is going to be one of the better running backs to pick up in the league. I just don't think he is, um, going to be as valuable as he was previously is really what it comes down sure. to. Yeah. I mean, he was a top five running back prior to the ACL tear. Mm-hmm. He was, he was, he was going to be a league winner and you're right. Guys definitely have issues coming back from the ACL. I think in this instance, comparative to the last, you know, my, the Ramondre example, I think Dalvin cook signing is far more a win now mentality than it is like a split backfield. Yeah. I think with Aaron Rodgers there, they just want to go. Yeah. And, and have the cap space they want to go out. But, yeah, it definitely does concern me, especially for early on in the year, what usage Brees Hall sees. Uh, I, I'm i high on Brees Hall this year, personally. Mm-hmm. I just think that I, I – for whatever reason, I think he may be able to come back from the ACL. Yeah. Like, that's all it is. Well, like, it's not statistically. We all understand his statistics, but right. that's that's where I'm Well, you know, and not to, not to go against my own point, I've been reiterating multiple times, like, listen to the guy, and Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers has said, like, that offense is different when Brees Hall is on the field. So yeah. I very much could be wrong. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm not I'm not as married to this one as as maybe I would be sure. some of the other picks I've had. Absolutely. All right, uh, we're gonna do just a couple of like uh, trivia stats here. Just some fun, interesting things that I found. Um, I know that we've I think Nate had done this a couple of years prior um, and just quizzed his co-host. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put your feet to the fire here, Boatwright, um, and just uh, you know just just see what you're thinking here. So. Uh, I have three stats, and I'm going to have you guess what player it's referring to. Um, so the first one is from the pre- the last preseason game for the Steelers this year. Just, you know, throw in my homerism here. Um, so this player, besides Deontay Johnson and Kenny Pickett, what is the third player who saw all first-team reps with the Steelers in the preseason game against Tampa Bay? you have any clue? It's got to be Pickens, A-Rob, or like some no-name lineman. Oh, it, 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 it's skilled position only. Oh, so you can oh, take your okay. Line. Then I guess yeah, it's got to be Pickens, A. Rob, or Fryermuth, right? Like one of those three. There you go, yeah. Pat Fryermuth. I know that with the drafting of Darnell Washington, people were concerned about Fryermuth or whatever. Uh, Fryermuth, I think, has securely uh, got his place in that line. So it's uh, just good to see that he is still the number one tight end in Pittsburgh, and I think it does bode well for his fantasy outlook. Um, as he's a guy who is, I think, moving up, uh, or at least within the top ten of tight end drafts. So rest in peace, you know, Gentry. <laughs> rest in peace, Gentry, and the stiff and the stiff arm heard around the world. I know. <laughs> um, 
so the next one I have for you. Uh, this player is the only wide receiver across the last five seasons to have at least eight touchdowns in each of those seasons. Yeah. Who is it? I so I'm gonna just I'm gonna I know this one because you told me while mm-hmm. we were golfing this weekend. I want to. Pr- I'm not a savant. It's Tyler Lockett. Um, <laughs> it is Tyler Lockett, which shocked the hell out of me whenever I saw it. Um, but a guy who is just consistently consistent, <laughs> um, for lack of a better way to put it. So it is interesting. JSN may change things this year, but uh, he is getting older, so you never know. He's going to fall off eventually, but they, they often say that about a lot of guys. So I just thought it was uh, really interesting to hear that. And then last year, quarterbacks who scored hundred at least 100 fantasy points with their legs alone, just their rushing um, in 2022, there were three guys, or excuse me, there were four guys, Josh Allen, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, and there was one more guy. Who was that guy? I'm trying to think of running running backs, or excuse me, quarterbacks. Um, mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to go with the guy that had the trip hurt around the world, uh, Daniel mm-hmm. Jones. Probably because probably because of that <laughs> run alone, right? He what is it like eighty some yards and then he fell. I think it was like seventy six. Yeah. But it is Daniel Jones, a guy who I think is another kind of you know surprise guy, especially with his legs, because the trip hurt around the world and and everything else. He's not known specifically for his running ability, but I think a guy who has a lot has an upside if he can run the ball and have a good line in front of him. Um, but yes, that is it. So nice. well done there. Um, so we'll jump down to our new segment. Um, This is what grinds your gears. We may come up with a different name for it. Um, We're not going to do this every week, at least not Boatwright and I. Uh, We're going to have everyone who comes on vocalize some fantasy football gripe or issue that they have. Just the kind of event. We'll give you a platform, you know, a minute or two just to say, hey, this is what bugs me in fantasy football. It doesn't have to be in our league. Doesn't have to be, you know, anything specific. But to add, we just thought we'd offer it up. Yeah, to add, I think it shouldn't be our league. This is not targeted at our mm-hmm. league. This is very much like a what about fantasy football, fantasy football managers as a general thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to come in here and be like, it really grinds my gears that Sean trades seventy five times a year. Like that's not that's not the point <laughs> of this. I mean it could be, but you know, that's not the intent. Right. That is not the intent for sure. Um, so, but right, why don't, why don't you kick us off here? Why don't you, why don't, what, what are grind your gears then about fantasy football? Yeah. Um, so I wrote down here that how some managers get super caught up in analytics and others just completely disregard that. And I probably could have phrased this a little bit better, but I like to argue with people online. I don't think that's a big surprise to anybody. I'm in a couple of discord. You could have ended that sentence with, I like to argue with people. Yeah, that's true. I like to argue with people. I'm in a couple of discords that talk about fantasy football. Mm-hmm. And one of the rooms that I like to hang out in is the drafting room. And all for the last month, people have been coming in there and be like, should I take JT, right? And my God, everybody's like, you can get him in the fourth. That's a steal. And I tell you <laughs> what, guys, it is not a steal. We didn't. Even, like, I, I was in there screaming at people like, you don't even know if he's going to play. They're like, but if right. you get him in the fourth and he plays, it's like, yeah, but why would you think that, right? He's on the pup list. He's trying to get traded. He's been publicly feuding with Jimmy Irsay. Um, he looks hurt. It's like, no one's going to care if he dies, but right. right no one's going to care. Right. It's like why people completely and utterly disregard a player's situation because he used to be the best back in the league two years ago. Right. Yeah. Conversely, yeah, no. I mm-hmm. 
have a tendency to be like, ah, fuck statistics, right? Like, I like this guy. He's in a good spot. And so mm-hmm. I will overdraft on somebody because of that. I think that a good fantasy manager is able to balance both of those things. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that that's a, just a valid point in general. Like, I, I do agree with you. I know we have people in our league, people on Reddit who are the extremes of all of these things. Um, but I do think it is good to have a balance of, yeah, the numbers are telling you something, but also how do you interpret those numbers and what do you do with them? Mm-hmm. So, and, and listen, you've made some hero calls and, and that were that you used that gut feeling regardless of what the stats were telling you and they paid off. So there's merit, I think, to both. So. I think it's a valid. I think it's a valid uh, beef to have. For my side of things, my biggest thing is when fantasy managers hold on to ADP, especially during the season. I don't care where you drafted a guy. What's his production? We're five weeks into the season and he's producing like a wide receiver three, even though you drafted him as a wide receiver one. Sorry, I don't care. Yeah. And again, this is like you. I like to be on you know Reddit and in you know uh, in comments of, of websites and stuff like that. And I won't lie, it's happened in our league too. But you know, ADP I think is great up until the season starts, and then I don't care, and neither should you. It doesn't measure anything except for where a guy's getting drafted. Yeah. So it just kind of drives me nuts when people do this. Yeah. What where what people thought of him at the, that flashing moment, right? That is all ADP tells you. And I think that you can append to that is when guys refuse to move on from somebody. I think the best skill a manager can have is being like, this guy is just not working out. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And move on. Oh, for sure. Yeah, exactly. I think those go kind of hand in hand. Yes. Where a name or a value or a draft pick makes you think that, oh, just give this guy a couple more weeks. No, no, that doesn't, you don't need to. And I'm, I mean, we're all guilty of it, right? Um, but, uh, I, I absolutely agree that those two things definitely go hand in hand for sure. Yep. So, all right. I think we'll just kind of wrap up here. We've got a little news around the league. Um, and then I think we can send this thing home. So firstly, the big thing we've kind of been talking about it, um, Jonathan Taylor, they announced that he is going to start the season on the pup list and no offers were up to the Colts standards. So he is definitely going to be staying on the team. Uh, which I don't know <laughs> who knows what that means. Like you just got into, uh, I am not sure where this puts him, but it definitely hurts him for sure. Something that I learned about this that I think really feeds into me thinking like, I've always been on the do not draft Taylor list from like this, from the start of this news, but to adds mm-hmm. to it, the pup list will toll four of his games. So he only actually has to play in two games to get his season and contract account. So if you're mm-hmm. taking him like, well, he'll miss four, but then he's got to play six if he wants this year to recure. It's not true. He's got to play two, right? And I'm not saying he's going to do the Lamar thing last year and get hurt, but if anybody was to do it, it will be him. And he's only got to play. Yeah. You'll get him for two games at worst. Yeah. Other than Colts fans, I don't think anyone blames him if he gets hurt, right? No one wants to talk about it. It's like, it, you know, it's like speaking speaking ill of someone, um, but I – I think that at the end of the day, this is a business. And if it's the best business decision for him, I guess that tweak in my calf hurts a little more. I really personally don't care as a fan of the, as a fan of the NFL and as a fan of Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. I, I, so I agree with you that I think that, um, yeah, probably best to avoid at this point, but who knows? Someone will probably take a flyer on him somewhere. And if he gives you two great games, I guess he gives you two great games. Yeah. Who knows? It's funny. The only people uh, that I see that care about this news are people that have drafted Jonathan Taylor and they are very much like, he's got to play. He's got to play. Um, well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I agree with you. 
Uh, we're sticking with pup list announcements. Uh, Kyler Murray is also going to remain on the pup list, so he will also miss the first four games of the season. Uh, funny enough, though, they also cut Colt McCoy today, Arizona did. So um, it looks like they'll either go with David Blau or Dobbins. The kid, or Dobbins, right? The kid they traded. Yeah, they, the right, they traded for Josh Dobbins. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. Um, but uh, continuing, we talked about him already, Jason Smith and Jigba. Uh, he underwent his surgery for that broken bone in his wrist. Again, he is expected uh, to begin the season on the roster, so he will not be on the pup list. So he should be available game one. Uh, Tennessee Triton or Tennessee Titans trail on Burks, who was also injured uh, in, in camp, um, took part in individual drills. So he's slated to be back um, uh, as well. Um and then in a surprising, I think the biggest surprising cut today is 53-man rosters were announced. Uh, both Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham, quarterbacks for the Patriots, were cut and did not make the 53-man roster. So any thoughts on any of that, Barry? Yeah, I think Zappi was, Zappi? Zappi was a meme. Like, as much as he was, I don't even want to call him good last year. He was mm-hmm. a meme in the Patriots community, right? Sure. Um, and I think that the best thing that Bill Belichick could have done was cut him. So that question goes away as they try to push Mac Jones to the next yes. level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now there's no question that if Zappi should start over Mac Jones because he's not even on the team. Yeah. And I mean, to your credit, maybe that's why Cunningham's. I mean, they're going to have to sign. They'll probably sign some veteran yeah. somewhere. Um, but I mean, Malik showed something in his preseason tape. So. You know, I mean, the, those fans are ravenous, and after having the success they did for years, they'll want anything to be successful again. So if Mac Jones looks as mediocre as he's looked, um, you know, whoever is behind him will probably get pushed at a certain point by that fan base. But yep. who knows? Uh, and I think the last little good news, and you know what? Who couldn't use a little good news today? DeMar Hamlin made the Bills 53-man roster. So, you know, obviously we're all aware of what happened to him last year and then him coming back and um, – Good to see him suit up and play in the preseason, but even better to see that he made the starting roster. Yeah, I think that for him especially, I I think it's good to see him get back, and it's good to see him earn it. Um, I'm, I, I would have been disappointed if they put him on the roster just because of what had happened to him. Sure. Um, I think that he has shown that he can be a uh, rotational piece on defense, and it's great to see him continue to be able to do that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you if know, you're here to that... Excuse me, I have one more uh, piece of news that I need to share with everybody here. Um, Go ahead. So, in very important and hard-hitting news, uh, Jared Goff, who is the quarterback for the the Detroit Lions, took the O-line to Prime and Proper in downtown Detroit last week. and he is Apparently a very fancy high-end steakhouse. He is quoted saying, What Frank Ragnow can do to a shrimp cocktail is absolutely incredible. I've never seen anything like it. He could enter an eating competition for strip cocktails. He put down like 40 or 50 of them. Um, <laughs> and somebody did the math. And if shrimp cocktails run about $5 a thing, he ate like six and a half thousand dollars worth of shrimp cocktail on Jared Goff's dime. Um, oh my God. Frank Ragno is their center. I, I believe. Um, I believe. Yeah. So uh, that's really important. Goff and Frank have a very good relationship now. Hey, listen, that line is one, sneakily one of the best lines in the league, so it's also great to hear that you know they have a side job as a competitive eating whenever they stop <laughs> playing football. shrimp cocktail. Shrimp cocktails only. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, that is legitimately um, all I have now. 
Okay. Well, and I think that we'll probably just about wrap this up. Like I said, this is pre-draft, um, so nothing to really examine. I'm, I'm sure that we'll be chomping at the bit to kind of jump into teams and uh, analyze everyone's picks next week after the draft. Um, you know, we're looking forward to the season. Uh, this is our, our, you know, I I think each year the, this league just gets a little bit better and a little bit more invested, um, and I'm just happy to be part of it. Not the not to gush too much or get too touchy feely, but um, we hope to hear some of you guys come on this year. Uh, I know that Nate and Eddie were always pushing for folks, but you know, uh, Bo right and I will be here. You know, when we're here, actually, I'm out week three this season. I'll be on my honeymoon. Um, so if someone wants to sign up to try and host a show with this guy. Yeah, if um, not, I will talk for uh, an hour. I'll just sit here and yeah. tell you all my feelings about things. Yeah, so if you don't want to hear Boatwright talk to himself for an hour and you want to do week three with him, uh, we need somebody to fill in for there. Uh, but if not, just you know, sign up on the list. It's posted. It's pinned in the uh, in the group me. But other than that, that's pretty much it for me. Uh, Boatwright, any last parting thoughts? Yeah, I actually will. If you nobody joins me, I will put a mustache on and pretend I'm two different people for an hour. That's a promise. So somebody, somebody better please. join me if we don't want to be subject to that. Eddie, please. Nate, Nate, anybody? <laughs> JC? Like anybody. Damon? <laughs> Kyron? Somebody help me out here. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe that I'll be traveling to Palo Alto sometime in November as well. So we'll, we'll need some. I don't know for sure what week that is yet, but once I do know, I'll put yeah. it on and we'll need coverage for that day too. We'll mark it on the sheet and we'll make sure I get somebody. But yeah. Um, we did kind of touch on it earlier, but just to wrap this up, our theme this year is Pokemon. So we normally have our usual outro song, but I think. This one is a little bit better, but I think, you know, so I think we'll end with this. So for, for myself and for Boatwright, you guys have a good night. Bye, everybody.